You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Welcome to the Vineyard. All of, all of you. <laughs> we got a lot of folks out. Graduations, Combses are gone. Yeah, so it's, it's good to be with you. And glad you made it here. It's, uh, it's good to always be in the house of the Lord together. It says we're two or more gathered. It doesn't say that we have to be 3,000. Just two is enough for his presence to come and for us to do what we call churching. Churching around here. We're churching this morning. For those that aren't used to reading financials, what is it? Very Variance. That means we're in the hole. Just in case you're wondering <laughs> what that means. That's the deficit. <laughs> so you can take how much has been spent and how much has come in, and you can see we're, we're running behind. So anything you can do will be greatly appreciated. And I want to continue to keep our focus on giving, not so much as so we can run the business of the church, but so that we can worship the Lord. I always believe giving is a part of our worship. It's an expression of our love and adoration. It's an acknowledgement that, Lord, whether you're a tither, you know, I, I say, Lord, the first fruits of all that you've given me, I return. I want to bless you with. I want to thank you. For those that uh, want to stay and say, well, we're no longer in the Old Testament, you know, I don't believe in giving 10% because that's under the Old Covenant. That's true. In the New Covenant, you give 100%. So give it all to Jesus. If you want to stay New Testament, let's, let's do it right. Let's give it all. Very good. Well, we're going to resume back in our Gospel of Mark series. Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. As is custom, when, when Jesus is traveling, there seems to be a growing crowd that just continues to develop. And he always takes time to teach them. In the midst of that, we find that the opposition to Christ, the opposition to his Messiahship is increasing and that the scribes and Pharisees are constantly trying to get him to mess up in one way or another. And so they come with a trick question today about divorce. This is where we are as we're going through the Gospel of Mark. You're here on this day. Don't get divorced. It's the word of the Lord. But the thing that I'm aware of, C.S. Lewis wrote a book, Screwtape Letters, and in it, it's looking from the enemy's perspective of how they approach a Christian and how they get that Christian neutralized to the best way possible. And so when you read this, it, it, it kind of opens up your mind in a, in a fictitious way, but I think oftentimes is, is really valid of how the enemy uses things. I don't want him to use today's message. If you've been divorced once, twice, multiple times, and you're here today, know that you're welcome and that the Father loves you. We're, we're just amazed at the power of forgiveness, of restoration, of redemption, of how the Lord works. So. Be at peace. Do not let the enemy take something from today's message and bring condemnation and judgment on you. 
if there's something that gets kind of irritated on the inside, use that as a conversation starter with your prayer with the Lord today. Talk through it. Let him minister his comfort, his peace, and his truth to you, okay? Because there's a whole lot of things that we're gonna hit on today, and I could see the fur flying. Because we know that God hates divorce, but he loves divorcees. Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. Jesus then left that place and went to the region of Judea across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him, and as he was custom, he taught them. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you, he replied. They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It was because of your hearts, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. We ask, Father, that you'd release your spirit upon us now, that we'd have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We only open up to the Holy Spirit. No other spirits are allowed to speak in Jesus' name, amen. So here's the question for today. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Hmm. To divorce is to dismiss, to send away, to loose. Hmm. Jesus, knowing that this is not a sincere question, but it's a question that's uniquely designed to see if they can polarize the people either against Jesus because he's supporting this conservative understanding of divorce or get the other group of people because he's supporting a more liberal understanding of the scripture. So they're trying to really do a number on him. He says, let me appeal to your authority. What has Moses commanded? Because that's what they've, they've done. Mind you, there's not a Jewish man present that doesn't believe that he can divorce his wife. They believe that divorce is permissible. There's one side of, of the Jews that says, you can divorce your wife if you find something that's not pleasing. I always heard that one part of, of Jewish interpretation was that if, if she burnt the toast, 
if she burnt the pot roast, if she did something that was not pleasing to you, you had permission to divorce her. So that's one side of the camp that, that's kind of like, you can divorce her for any reason. And on the other side is, no, you can't. You can only, according to Deuteronomy, you can only divorce her if she has done something shameful. If she's done something like adultery. And so they kind of understood that, okay, this is, this is the thing. Next slide. Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. Suppose a man marries a woman but later discovers something about her that is shameful. So he writes her a letter of divorce and gives it to her and sends her away. As Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, this is what Joseph was entertaining, this part of the scripture. The one that he was betrothed to that already had a legal dynamic to the relationship was found to be pregnant. That is finding something if you're the, the boyfriend and you know you have not had sexual relations with your girlfriend, you know that that's something that's shameful. And so M Joseph was, was planning to put Mary away privately because I think he was a, a good man. He didn't want to disgrace her. This comes from this part. So Jesus knows that. He brings it into focus. And then he explains it. It's because your heart's we're hard. It's the hardness of hearts. The reason why divorce is an option and Moses permitted it was not because God sanctions it, but, but God knows the hardness of man's hearts. And for that reason, Moses permitted. I don't know anything that hardens the heart in a covenant of marriage like an affair. Adultery seems to harden the heart so quick. And believe me, I've dealt with a whole lot. And as, as I've gone through those, it's like, it is so difficult when the heart gets hard. It distorts all truth. You can't even understand when the Lord's really saying something different than what you want him to say. So Jesus says, that's why Moses wrote Deuteronomy 24.1, but it wasn't this way at the beginning. Jesus goes back to the first principle, and he goes back to creation, and explaining that divorce has never been in God's heart. He goes back to creation. He says, God intended oneness between a man and a woman, between a husband and a wife. And so he says, he made them male and female. We go back to creation. God's image masculine, God's image feminine, as they come together in covenant relationship, there is a unique expression of the fullness of God, both masculine and feminine, in this one relationship. It's not exhaustive, but it is an example of God. I always tell folks as they come in for counseling, I said, 
the loudest gospel you will ever preach will be your marriage. You can go out and be very charismatic and very influential and be uh, an orator and be able to uh, persuade people to, to do this, do this, but it is your marriage that is the strongest and greatest expression of the gospel that will ever be seen in the earth. So God's view really surpasses Moses, doesn't it? Moses permitted it because of the hardness of the heart, but that's not the way it was originally designed. He said the two will become one flesh, no longer two but one. And that's been something that I've, I've been really spending time with the Lord and trying to understand oneness. There's something incredibly powerful and spiritually sacred about the oneness that we are invited to experience in our relationships with our spouse and in our relationship with the Lord. The oneness, becoming one as they are one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We've been invited, according to John 17, we've been invited into that community to be a part of that expression of oneness. And we see that it should be manifested in our relationship with our spouse. Mm. And he says, therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Did you catch that? Jesus implies that the whole concept of marriage is what God is doing in joining a husband and wife. It's what he has done. What God has joined together, don't let some man, some human being, separate. So Jesus gives a perspective from God's view. Isn't that good news? Right on. Hmm. Yeah. So here they go. They get in the house again. Disciples oftentimes, you know, when they hear stuff, and I mean, what Jesus just said, we have no response from the Pharisees. The ones who brought this question to trap Jesus, we, we, nothing's recorded about how they heard what, what the Lord just said. But it's kind of like they're trying to get Jesus to debate and to come and to dialogue in an in opinion base. So the thing say Jesus' opinion sides with this group of Jews or this group of Jews, and they can try to bring some division. But Jesus says, no, here's God's view. And he gives God's view, and it's just like, it left everybody without an option. He basically said, if you don't understand it, the answer to the question, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? The answer is no, period. God's perspective, no, boom, bing, there it is. Now what are they going to do? Hmm. It backfires. Matter of fact, it probably brought conviction on all of them. And just thinking, oh, because once again, whether they're talking about Jewish ritual, washing hands before you eat, what goes in the mouth, no, it's what comes out of the heart. That's, Jesus is constantly redefining what happens when the kingdom of God comes, and Jesus has brought the kingdom. 
and this is so radical, they didn't know what to do with it. It was just beyond them to understand, are you kidding me? Well, so-and-so's divorce. Well, so-and-so's divorce. Well, <laughs> he just blew everybody's gaskets that day and saying, this is the way God intended it from creation. Now, how many know that in chapter 3, something happens to the beautiful created order that God intended? Yeah, sin. And as a result, man's heart got hardened. So Moses provided a way out of a hardened heart in a relationship. He goes on to say, in Malachi 2.16, God weighs in. He says, I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel, and I hate a man's covering himself with violence. Have you ever thought of divorce as violence? If you've gone through a divorce, you know how violent it can be physically, emotionally, financially, uh, for the kids, if there's children involved. All that goes on with this as well as with a garment covering ourselves up. The Lord Almighty says, guard yourself and your spirit and do not break faith. Hmm. He goes on to say, if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. This is absolutely unheard of. The disciples are there just scratching their head. What? See, there was no provision for a wife to divorce her husband under the Jewish law. There was absolutely no. And Jesus is saying, Let, let's, let's be inclusive. Understand how God sees it. If a wife divorces her husband, she commits adultery. Hmm. Wow. See, a man, basically a Jewish man could never commit adultery. Only one, one instance could a Jewish man commit adultery. And that is if he went and had an adulterous affair with a married woman, he would have committed adultery against the man who was married to the woman. Wow. All other times... He was free from ever being accused of committing adultery. So Jesus is just kind of showing how this thing has been so screwed up, but he takes us back to first touch, to the garden, to creation. Adam did not divorce Eve. No divorce. And then we find with sin, everything gets out of sorts. And the hardness of heart comes in. So, as we just celebrated Pentecost last week, the advent of the Holy Spirit, things are different now. There's power. Because the kingdom has come, it's like here divorce is now a test case. And he says, there's three times that are recorded about where we are in this divorce issue. Number one, the time of the beginning, at the, at the beginning of creation, 
The marriage bond was unseverable. It was never severed. Then the second time, the hardness of heart comes when divorce was permitted but regulated. And then third, this new time, when the hardness of heart is overcome and the original ideal of marriage is again upheld. You know, in the vineyard, we always talk about the already and the not yet. We look at, at time past, and that's the time. The, the, and then the time future, when the kingdom comes. You know, up until now, sin had drained. Now Christ has come, and he lives on the planet. And with his death, crucifixion, and ascension, the kingdom has been released. The Holy Spirit has come. The kingdom is now present, but it's not fully consummated. We still have free will. We still make dumb choices. We still do stupid things. <laughs> and, and, and we are in need of forgiveness. And so repentance is kind of a way of life for, for us this side. But the understanding is the whole thing of the kingdom, I, I love the way Jay put it last week, you know, that, that Jesus came not so that we could go to heaven. Jesus came so that heaven could come into us. And that's where now divorce issue becomes a whole different thing. What happens if we have a Christian couple and they're not, they're not getting along? She burnt the toast. Yeah. He's doing stupid stuff. There could be addictions involved. There could be uh, inappropriate activities. And all. now as the kingdom comes, the implication of Jesus' words is now you have resources to work on the relationship. You have resources from the Holy Spirit. You've got divine wisdom that can come in. How do you deal with a spouse whose heart is so hard? How do you live under that? Hmm. I've dealt with a whole lot of marriages. Some of them, as soon as they come in, I'm thinking, get out of Dodge. You know, this is not good. This is not healthy. This is just from a human perspective. But I usually have a prerequisite that when people come through my door, I believe that God's wanting to do something miraculous. There's something of redemption that's in his heart to, to, to be manifested. And if they will cooperate with the Spirit of the Lord, I've seen people that were so ripe for divorce just do a complete turn about face and discover a love for one another that they've never known. That's the power of the kingdom. If we're left to the hardness of our heart, there is no future for a disgruntled marriage. But if the power of transformation that comes through the Holy Spirit, through the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, if that is a reality, now we've got something to work for. Now there's hope. You know, Shanti Feldhahn, 
has, has written a whole book on how the popular culture has said that divorce is almost the same percentage outside the church as it is inside the church. And she's done the research and she said, that is an absolute lie. That is not true. It's like sh her research has shown that there are more health in marriages inside the church than ever before. I'm thinking, really? That's wonderful. I didn't know that. We get bombarded by the media and we get bombarded by someone of, of, and they say, but they don't have the research to back it up. And it's like, oh, you know, marriage is doing pretty good. I love John Wimber, kind of the founder, considered the founder of the vineyard. He was interviewed by Peter Jennings on TV, and at this time there was a lot of different uh, religious men that were being interviewed. And they interviewed him and he said, I'm just a fat man on my way to heaven trying to stay married. <laughs> I just loved his honesty. Because you know, being in a relationship with another human being takes work. It really does. You gotta be intentional about it. You can't say, well, I fell out of love. Well, you might have fallen out of love, but that doesn't give you an exit pass. It's now an invitation. Holy Spirit, what would you like to transform in my heart so that I start seeing my spouse the way you see my spouse? So we're talking about marriage because we're talking about divorce. You can't have a divorce if you don't have a marriage. But if you go to Matthew chapter 19, you'll get something about singleness there. And there Jesus goes on to say, because the disciples respond and says, well, it sounds to me like it's better not to, not to get married. If, if this is, if this is the, the truth from God's view, it sounds like the logical thing is, is don't get married. And he said, if God has given you the grace to be celibate, if he's given you the grace to be single, you know, that is a gift. That is an option. And it's implied that it's a really, really good option. It was the option Jesus did. It's the option that others have done. But he says, if you don't have it, don't pursue it. If it's not a gift that's been given, it's a grace, it's, it's better to marry. Okay? If you're gonna get married, the two become one. And I was so excited. Almost 50 years ago, she said yes. Got married on the fourth anniversary of our first date. And the two becoming one sounded absolutely wonderful to me because I assumed that meant that she was going to be absorbed into my one. <laughs> I married her because she's nice. She wasn't a whole lot of trouble. Uh, she, she was very quiet. She didn't speak up. She didn't say, hup, 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 hup. she wasn't 
you know, she, she wasn't hard to get along with or anything like that. And I just thought, this is wonderful. But I, I discovered that the oneness was that, that she became one with me, meaning that she's going to be like me and just fit perfectly into my little world, and everything's going to be wonderful. I know none of the men out here ever thought that. But it's like, oh, after 10 years, she found her voice. I found out all the stuff that she'd been doing this. She was actually doing that on the outside. She was doing this on the inside. And it was like, oh, my. This woman thou gavest me, O Lord. What am I supposed to do? Because she's not. And then the work began. And it continues of how to become one. There are things that I appreciate more about her than I, I have the time to tell. But it's been, it's been because of the kingdom grace that comes in. Because if we're left to our selfishness, it's amazing how selfish human beings can be. But the invitation the invitation to oneness, the invitation to oneness with our spouse, the invitation of oneness with our Lord, is all based on his initiative. He's the one that took the first step. We love him because he first loved us. Hmm. Now we have the ability to reciprocate because we've received his love. Now we can re reciprocate back to him the love that he's, that he's due. And to me, that's good news. So if you're in a hard spot in your marriage today, don't think divorce is an option. If you want to go with God's view, divorce will never be an option. Never. If you've been divorced, realize that as we repent and as we ask for forgiveness, God comes and restores. We don't go back, especially if we've remarried. We, we don't go back. We say, okay, Lord, you have forgiven. You have cleansed. I give you lordship over my life. And now in my union to you, I submit. And you can bring the chosen one <laughs> to me. The way I always like, people are always looking for the right one. If we've got any singles here today, start working on being the right one. Don't look for the right one. Become the right one. And as you become the right one, it's amazing how you find the right one. Okay? Okay, enough ramblings. Yes, I see a hand. Jim, by faith... Over here. There you go. The man's here. The woman's here. God's here. As you come closer to God, look what happens. Come closer to each other. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jim. Mm-hmm. That's Indeed. 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 
That's what we're pursuing. And so let's take that which represents our bridegroom, the body of the Lord Jesus. We say, Lord, forgive us for all the ways in which we've not been faithful to you. Forgive us. Mm. It is our declaration that you're our true love. That you loved us so much that you laid down your life. That while we were still sinners, you died for us. So thankful that you're not bound by time and space. And you knew this day would, would be here. And so, Lord, our commitment to you, we say thank you for initiating a love covenant between us and you. We take this that represents your body and we eat in remembrance of you. Lord, we thank you that you shed your blood. You who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. A mystery we can't even begin to comprehend, but a reality that we can experience and we bask in the experience of your righteousness. We say as the blood enters into our lives, let it sanctify every aspect of our thinking, our emotions. I pray, Father God, where you need to erase some tapes, we give you permission and let the blood of Christ uh, filter out everything that could cause harm to our relationship with you and with each other. And as we receive the blood, we say thank you and we drink in remembrance of you. I want to just encourage you today. We live in a day of the kingdom. The king has come and allow his reign and rule to be over all your relationships, especially your relationship with your spouse, and ask him for a special grace to understand how do I relate to my spouse today? In Jesus' name, let's stand as we sing. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.